This is Jack Prince for BBC Special. Maximum respect. Rastafari. Watcher and welcome. I'm Miranda and this is Euromix on BBC Radio 5. Stand by for 60 minutes of non-stop Euro info. Our man Robert Elms is off gallivanting around the world, so the fools have put me at the controls. <laughs> Stick around for the first Euromix of 94 as we journey to Lisbon for a really, really rough guide. We take a club call to a ski resort and see what delights Apres Ski holds. Push it to the max. You know the school, hardcore. That's the name of the game as we check out the rave scene in Croatia. And as a total extreme, we go from rave to reggae as we explore the ever-expanding mellow vibes in Holland. Wat een gezeik, wat een gezeik over die rot apartheid. Overal in de wereld heb je één apartheid. In Duitsland is het hetzelfde gezeur. Daarom in deze wereld heb je zoveel terreur. Uh, yeah, man, respect to all the youths out there. Well, if you're feeling lucky and fancy winning loads of Euro goodies, then you best stay locked in for our totally fab competition at some point in the next hour. We hook up with the man of the moment, Mr Stackabo. We also have a totally interesting and completely informative insight into tea drinking on the continent. You know, a lot of people in France like tea, but they are very afraid to admit it because everybody's saying, oh, you're a square, or you're silly poo-poo, you know, you like tea. Why don't you come and get bevied up? as you say in England, with the boys. <laughs> well, before we topple off our chairs in anticipation, we best begin. And before we can do that, I have to introduce my man on the right-hand side, Don Phillips. What's Mar up, Doc? Miranda, how you doing? And a happy new year. Thank you, sir. What delights do you hold for us tonight? Now, we know that you all think that history's really boring, but you're mm -hmm. wrong. And to prove it, we've decided to bring you the alternative history of France. <laughs> Silly history of Europe. In the 5th century, France got its name when the Frank tribe conquered the country. Ever since the French had been thanking their lucky stars, it wasn't the Kevin tribe. <laughs> don't insult our listeners, Dom. Kevin is actually a regular writer on the programme. Sorry, Kevin. That's OK, don't do it again. A little while back, here on Euromix, we reported on the Irish club scene. And by all accounts, there's a pretty hip and happening thing going down over there. We thought we'd expand and delve into some pumping Dublin beats. This is the sound crowd and their tune entitled Good. I think we should just leave that. Do this tea. 
well, wicked Eurovise with the sound crowd. Put together by Dublin DJ Mark Kavanagh and friends, I believe. But now, time for another one of these. The Silly History of Europe. France, 1860, and rampaging pirates are chased out by Rollo, the Duke of Normandy. Hey, but did he give him this last sweetie? The question, the ultimate question. Dom, would you give me your last Rolo? Of course I would, my darling. Ah, smashing. Okay, right about now, it's time to move north slightly to Holland. Reggae has for some time played a vital role in the music scene, and at last it's gaining more and more exposure. 1994 looks set to keep the reggae flowing, with Shakademus and Pliers at number one. But it's not only in Britain. Holland, well known for its laid-back attitudes, is catching on. Our man in the dam, John Preston, investigates. Reaching out to all nice and decent people. Now you see when Daddy Dan is playing music, don't try to refuse it because he's the king of the control. It is. There's a lot of rugger fans now. It's very fashionable. It's just the move, you know, the move. And the atmosphere, the people are all, all in the mood for dancing and, you know, they're enjoying themselves. Massive, massive, massive. Ragamuffin business. The sound of Jamaica is reaching young Dutch ears. Reggae is the new underground sound in Amsterdam. And radio DJ Daddy Dan, pumping out the beats on Amsterdam FM, told me who's getting into it. It's a mix. It's a mix of um, all sorts of people, black and white. And I think it's a good thing because people should unite and enjoy themselves um, like uh, in a dance hall and in a club and everywhere. And uh, now the youth start to come to the dance hall because they used to go, for example, to clubs. And now they find ragamuffins, so they come to the dance as well. You can usually find a reggae dance somewhere in Amsterdam, but it isn't as easy to hear it on the radio. And so only the big names make it to the charts. Mark Wallboomers from Semaphore Records. It's only the really the big artists like Shabarang, King Cobra. He, he, he got in the charts, you know, now you have like Chakademus and Pliers. And there might be a possibility that uh, Cut Your Ranks uh, is uh, going high in the charts in Holland uh, soon because uh, it's number Ahusse Midon has been a success in Holland for uh, maybe already one year. But it is just in the indie circuit, you know, and now they want to promote it bigger, so it might can come in the top 40, and it, it might be very nice for the guy, you know. Nice for the guy, nice for Holland, top track. But not everyone is on the ragged tip. DJ Benji is Strictly Roots. Everybody is behind ragamuffin, and ragamuffin is a music, as you can see a lot of time in dancehall, it bring, make people aggressive, and it don't, some of them don't stand for nothing. And Roots music is a real teachment for everyone, whether you're black or white. It's, that is the teachment, what it brings, that we have to live as one together. Benji came to Holland from the Caribbean and found the authorities to be more tolerant to certain tastes he'd acquired as a Rastafarian. Amsterdam have enough opportunity. They can smoke, hash and weed. 
freely without no disturbance of no police or system come to break down your door for a little spliff or beat you up, lock you up for a little spliff. Well, Benji might have stuck with Holland, but will the Dutch stick with reggae? Peter Frensen, writer for Dutch star magazine Ur. Oh, I think the future is pretty bright because uh, it's like, you know, we, we, we listen a lot to England and in England the future is pretty well, so the guys on the radio will play a lot of reggae like what's coming from England. They play in Holland because that's what they always do in Holland. They, they just take it over from the UK and they watch MTV and... So I think it's uh, I think it's pretty bright, but I hope there's uh, some uh, local talent uh, sprouting up. You know what I mean? This is DJ Japrens out of Suriname, living now in Amsterdam, Holland. No respect to all the massive, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from. Love you to the bone. DJ Jar Prince chats on sound systems, and yep. He chats in Dutch. I'm living in Holland. I was colonized by Holland, my land. And I'm coming here and I see that the people, not all of the people understand the lingua, the patwa from Jamaica and my own dialect that I'm singing about. So I think, how can I get them? I go in home and I sit on and I practice in Dutch and now it's working so I sing now to a whole heap of people in Dutch and that makes me more big and more popular in Holland because everybody know my tune in Dutch. It makes a difference from English hearing other languages being song. I'm used to different languages apart from English. I'm used to Suriname and I'm used to Dutch so it doesn't sound strange to me at all. Reggae has a history of tackling the issues, be it in English, Surinamese or Dutch. Jar Prince believes reggae can even play a part in defeating racism. If you look what happened right now in Belgium, Germany and France, holy pop people start rise up races and things. So reggae music is, is stamped that out. Because all the artists who's coming here give the people a message, not to fighting, but tell them that we unite in. And the reggae music is very important, so it helps. What a gezeik, what a gezeik over the rot apartheid. Overal in the world heb je een apartheid. In Duitsland is het hetzelfde gezeur. Daarom in deze wereld heb je zoveel terreur. The future for reggae in Holland seems healthy. And Jar Prince, who is at the forefront of the homegrown scene, sees reggae as the best way to communicate. It is the meshes music, man. So I, I got involved and I said, no, this music is great, this music is good, this music has a meshes, and I'm working to give the people a meshes. And the reggae beat is a very sweet beat. It is the hard beat. Stop it, stop it, because that's not right. Stop it, stop it, it's not equal right. Stop it, stop it, because that's not right. Stop it, stop it, it's not equal right. Save the world, save the world, save the world. Come, let me tell it to the boys, eh? Silly history of Europe. 1491, and the French inadvertently invent the barbecue, and Joan of Arc gets burnt at the stake. (laughs) 
I know the French are barbaric, but they didn't eat her, did they? No, they didn't eat her. It was actually the English who burnt her for being a witch. She was a peasant heroine who helped the French king regain the throne from the English and did so because she claimed <laughs> voices had told her to do so. Wow, man. More fascinating facts still to come. But uh, Euromix would not be complete without a good old Swedish pop tune. So it's time to rock on, Dommy, and get down with the latest single courtesy of This Perfect Day. They're described as a kind of young Nick Drake backed by Slade. Sounds like a nightmare. This is called Can't See You, Can't Wait.
what you're saying, Dom. Like your cup of chow? I'm trying to work out what was Swedish about it. Oh, who cares anyway? As it's now time to chat with Ruth Parsons, our girl with her finger on the pulse of the Alpine nightlife, Ruth's out in Val d'Isère in France, on the piste <laughs> with the skiers. Bonsoir, Ruth. Bonsoir. Bonsoir, ça va? Ça va bien. Good. Yeah, I'm all right. Cheers. Had a good New Year? Yes, I had a great New Year, thank you. Excellent. Good to hear it. Now, I've heard... Rumour has it, Val d'Isère is a bit of a kind of a young person's town. Is this true? Yes, it's very true. It's uh-huh. very popular for the young people ages from about 18 to 25 years old. But it's also popular for the older people as well. OK, so where are the, we're interested in the party people, I'm afraid. Where are they going out? What's happening? Well, I think the most famous place to visit is Dick's Tea Bar. Have is you what, heard of that? Mm, Dick's Tea Bar? Yes. No. It's not a place where you go to drink a cup of tea. It is actually a nightclub. Uh-huh. Um, it's a very large nightclub with three bars in and it's full of young people um, it's very special because it has a laser show where twice in the evening all the lights go down low and the whole place is covered with lasers for about five minutes which if you've had a few to drink does your head in a little bit yeah man <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also ski videos on all the time and in every room there's slideshows so if you don't feel like talking or the music's too loud, then you can just sit and watch things all night. So what kind of music is being played too loud, then? Well, they play everything, really, but rave, techno, rock and roll, disco music. Really? Now, I never kind of imagined apres ski life to sort of be, sort of, well, anywhere near trendy, really. I kind of imagined uh, St. Bernard's this... and log fires and chalets and things. Oh, that's for the older people. This is for the young people, and this is sort of after midnight... Earlier on in the evening, there's families and older people who go to Dick's Tea Bar. So what about the old liquor, the beer, the booze? Is it cheap out there? Um, at Dick's Tea Bar, it's fairly expensive in Dick's, uh, fairly expensive during the disco. You pay about £3.50 for half a lager and a little bit more for spirits, but you do get very large measures in comparison. £3.50 was that? £3.50 for half a lager, yeah. Oh, my goodness me. That, that's half my wages gone <laughs> already. <laughs> and mine too. <laughs> OK, so what about if you got wanted to um, to have some accommodation, because the Primsy don't want to uh, sleep rough out in the Alps, where would you go? There's certain agencies in town where you go to who will rent you accommodation, or most of the English will go through tour operators who will provide all-in holidays. So they pro- all you have to do is turn up at Gatwick Airport and they'll provide the flight. Um, and then the transfer to the resort, the accommodation and all the food. Sure. So are there any other sort of good drinking bars then that you can recommend? The Morris Pub is also a very popular place for the English. It's like a very large English Place to pub avoid with... then? <laughs> yes, if you don't want to meet the English, then you avoid the Morris Pub and Dick's Tea Bar. Uh, but the Morris Pub has English staff. So a lot of people like going there because they can communicate. Sure. Um, and it can also remind you of home. You can get a good old pint of Guinness there and you can get bar snacks as well. Sure, and actually talk to people. Yeah. In England at the moment, it's quite restricted in getting late licences. What's it like out there? Are people partying all night? You can party till four o'clock in the morning. And there's new laws that which have just been enforced this year by the mayor to stop the bars being open any longer than four o'clock. Oh, shame. Before, you used to be able to party all night and then go straight to the ski slope I kind of imagine you'd, in the morning. you'd be a bit too knackered, exactly. After a hard day's skiing, to go out clubbing sounds like a bit of a nightmare to me. It doesn't happen all the time. No, <laughs> sure. So what about fashion? I kind of remember the sort of the luminous lipstick on the nose kind of thing and all these, and, and the mirrored sunglasses. Are uh, they still hipping in? 
I'm afraid not. Those went out no, quite a no. long time ago. <laughs> OK, it was a long time ago. Yeah, if you've got anything like that, push it in the bin and go and buy some new clothes. <laughs> <laughs> the fashionable colours at the moment are sort of red, yellow, purple and navy blue. Mm, chic, very chic. Yeah. So none of the bright stuff is worn at all on the resort. Why not? Why, just kind of one of those things that just phases out. Yeah, it's just fashion, that's all. There's no particular reason why, but people just don't wear bright colours anymore. OK, so that's trends on the old body. What about trends on the slope? Any kind of new trends going on actually out on the mountains there? Well, I'd say the most famous sort of pe- most trendy sort of people around are the snowboarders. Snowboarders. Do you know what snowboarding is? Tell us, Ruth. Snowboarding is not quite the same as skiing. It's a bit like skateboarding, but on snow. You only, instead of having two planks of wood under your feet, you just have the one. The snowboarders are very distinctive, even off the slopes, because they all dress the same. (laughs) I've heard they're kind of taking over the slopes as well, so that all sounds like good fun. I think you have the Euromix team there very soon. Ruth, thanks very much. Have a good night, whatever you're doing tonight, and take it easy. Thank you. Silly history of Europe. France, 1793, and Marie to Antoinette is beheaded for trying to turn the entire population into Mr Blobby lookalikes. You mean they actually had um, Mr Blobby all those years ago? Unfortunately not for the French, no. <laughs> She's supposed to have said, let them eat cake to the starving peasants who had no bread. Ah, Austrian bitch, got what she deserved then. She did. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, carrying on now in a musical flavour, we travel to Germany. Hadaway, German teen pop tart, is riding high on a succession of hits like uh, What is Love and Life. Here's his latest release, which is at number 15 in the UK charts and tip to keep rising. This is called I Miss You. You gotta know... Brand new being queen, I wanna be with you. The love looks good like a trophy on a shelf. And when I pick up my baby, I can't help myself. The bullets are red and the violets are blue. And when I reminisce, girl, you gotta know.
bust the tease. It feels so good and knocks me down to my knees. It feels so good I can't concentrate. I can't comprehend. I can't even demonstrate. Telling you the things that are so sweet. That the way I feel about you, that it runs real deep. The love fits well like a brand new suit to my honey dip girl. You gotta know. Totally poptastic radio mate with Hadaway. And whatever else you get on Euromix, you are guaranteed a good, healthy dose of culture. For our first programme of 1994, the destination for the really rough guide is this year's European city of culture, Lisbon. And because our usual compiler, Simon Cold, is in Jamaica tonight, we are going to fill you in. If you set off straight after the programme overland to Lisbon, you'll be there in about two days' time. The Portuguese capital is hundreds of miles from anywhere and a real pig to reach by bus or train. So fly. The scheduled flight from London costs around £150 return. And because Lisbon's airport is bang in the middle of the suburbs, it's only a 15-minute bus ride to the centre of town. And as soon as you see the city, you'll realise it was worth all the money and hassle to get there. It's one of the most beautiful places in Europe and remarkably free of tourists. The centre of Lisbon is a flat bit which stretches down to the waterfront, the area known as the Baixa. It's ringed by hills and is a jumble of narrow streets, ancient houses and loads of bars. Alfama in the east is the best area to find a room. It's riddled with small pensions. And rooms are usually at the top of a long and creaking staircase run by a wizened but wonderful old woman. She'll charge between five and ten quid per person per night. Quite a bargain for being in the middle of the most entertaining of one of Europe's great cities. To get the best view of Lisbon, yomp up the tallest hill in our farmer. And from here you can see all the way along the river estuary to what looks like the Golden Gate Bridge. It's absolutely huge, painted rust red and makes you think you're in San Francisco. Well, almost. This impression's reinforced when you see the British-made trams which clatter around the city. Euromix, top tip, save all the trouble of a trip to California and head for Lisbon instead. And as you stroll around the capital, you'll keep finding you're several hundred feet above or below where you want to be. Fortunately, one of the main means of public transport is the lift. Which you can take for a fare of about tuppence. This year, Lisbon's been given a cultural lift (laughs) by its status as the European Union's capital of culture. And most of the arty galleries are on the western edge of the city centre, but they're a pretty grim lot. How many Portuguese artists can you name? None, but what Lisbon will be celebrating most is its maritime achievements. Lisbon's waterfront has a massive concrete sculpture. It's supposed to represent the leading explorers. But in fact, it looks like something out of a Flintstones. If you voyage downriver, you'll soon reach Estoril, Lisbon's personal resort. And here you'll find a desert beach, plus pubs with names like the Bulldog and the Union Jack. Avoid them. You'll probably find Portuguese nightlife more to your liking. So head back into town and find yourself a Fado restaurant. Fados are particularly mournful and exclusively Portuguese form of folk music. And it's probably the best musical way to get hopelessly depressed now that Leonard Cohen seems to have cheered up. <laughs> and it beats karaoke any day. Bye. 
made it's competition time with some videos to give away some pretty hot stuff from the continent. So does this mean loads of arty French films with nympho starlets taking their clothes off? <laughs> Would we? Absolutely no way. All PGs, <laughs> honest gov. If this tickles your fancy, you are misses. Stand by, because we're going to test your Euro knowledge. In just a sec, we'll tell you three facts about a country in Europe, and you have to guess where it is. Then write your answers on a postcard and send them to us. Don will give you the address a bit later. Easy. Where in Europe am I? Okay, the country has a Disney-esque type fairy tale capital, which attracts about a million tourists every week, and literally tons of them are Americans. It's also the country where lager was invented. And lastly, but not leastly, in 1987 they had a velvet revolution and are now known as a republic. Easy. Got all that? Okay, pencils at the ready. Scribble this down. Answers on a postcard to Euromix, BBC Radio Five, Broadcasting House, London W1A1AA. Another chance to win coming up later on in the program. But first, more Eurofacts and fiction to come. But first, this. BBC Radio Five, the big, <laughs> big noise at night. And to find out what's on this week's rave, we cross now to Steve Winscreen at the AA Road Watch. Steve, what can we expect? Oh, plenty of records, Rob. <laughs> Thanks. And uh, what about interviews and features? Oh yeah, plenty of those. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, comedy characters, Steve? Uh, no. Thanks, Steve. It's rave BBC Radio Wales and Radio Five Friday night, ten ten to midnight. Meet me, meet me. AA Road Watch. Right. Done it for a bit longer. Sorry, it wasn't live. It's 9 p.m. and you're listening to Euromix on Radio 5, 909 and 693. Still to come, a thoroughly interesting insight on tea drinking in Europe. We check out the creation rave scene, hook up with Stackerbo, and play some of the best Euro tunes around. <laughs> Silly history of Europe. 1815, and in France, probably the best Euro tune ever written in all time was penned by Napoleon, Waterloo. <laughs> no, 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 no! You cannot fool me. I know that was Abba. <laughs> that was actually a cover. It was first sung after the battle between Napoleon and Wellington. I believe everything you say, Dom. Honest. <laughs> Carrying on now in a lyrical style, we get into a rap thing with the Islamic force. The tune has been released on a German label, Juiceful Records, but the guys are part of the huge Turkish community living in Germany. Getting fresh and funky, this is Phallus. <laughs> Like that. 
Yes, cause we make hip hop, but I like hip hop. This hop has good for spoilings and good as probably a pop. Only lies when you talk up, talking more than my grandma, man. Come on, son, shut the fuck up. Cause every time you see us, you only wanna school us. Fooling us with rumors, that's how you try to fool us. Lying to the only people that you can trust. Talking about your guns, ain't it so big like a bus? The weekend's time, but for the rest of the week, you got your head in the hands of your boss. You look, I still have my friends around me, they found me, but tell me down me, what's up with yours? They're gone, cause you was born to talk shit, and now you're alone on your own, what's up, kid? That was actually <laughs> Spallis by the Islamic Force. <laughs> Great, thanks. 1993 was the year that made Stackabo a bit of a happy man. His two major hits, Here We Go and Down the Drain, went into the top ten in nearly every country in Europe. Stacker made a flying visit to England, so we dispatched Robert Elms to get the lowdown on one Swede who most definitely isn't going down the drain. How did nice Swedish boy Johan Rink become Stacker Bo? It's quite simple, actually, <laughs> because Bo is my name as well. I have a double name. Bo Johan is my first name, and Rink is my surname. And Stacker originates from a band I had a couple of years ago called the Stacker Holmes Bombo Club, which was a very much hardcore hip-hop and ragamuffin sort of thing, where Bumbleclad is a Jamaican curse and Stucker Homes was our own sort of beer abbreviation of Stockholm Homeboys. So my name was Bo, and I took Stuck, and I was Stuck a So it's Stockholm Homeboy Bo. Yeah, <laughs> silly, kind of. silly, but I kept it. <laughs> well, it seems to have worked, because your, your first single, Here We Go, was a huge success. Were you surprised by that? Definitely, very much. I mean... Uh, we didn't count on anything. We did. Uh, we were sitting on in our own small studio, writing songs, you know, recording them, uh, with no real intention of, of a massive release. You know, maybe we could release this one and maybe get some airplay on it just for the fun of it, and then we could do some gigs. But suddenly, you know, it really said boom, and, and it happened really fast. But I, I'm, I'm content. Yeah. Is it? Isn't it a bit scary though? I mean, you've got to live up to that now. No, but do you really have to live up to it? I mean, that depends on, I mean, the ambition. The ambition is to be able to do music in a fashion that you can, that you enjoy. And I enjoy the writing process and the studio work, and I enjoy playing gigs. 
but I mean the part of being number one and, and all that sort of stuff. I mean that's so too abstract, I guess. <laughs> Why is there so much music coming from Sweden at the moment? I mean, on this program, mm. we play loads, you know, rock music, pop music, rap, soul, mm. disco, reggae. Mm. Why suddenly? I mean, it seems mm. to be sudden here. I know, there's a lot of eyes turned towards Sweden, especially in terms of, you know, Euro, pop, house sort of music. Everything, every new band that pops up from Sweden with that sort of music immediately gets a bit too much attention from, from the European industry. That's one fact. Another fact is that the bands in Sweden maybe have understood that it is possible to break outside the Swedish borders. A lot of them sing in English, don't they? I mean, that's a factor, I guess. Yeah, a lot of those bands. I mean, we have a lot of bands singing in Swedish as well. But, I mean, in Sweden we get to, uh, get English in school by the age of nine or something, and then we have a lot of English TV programs which are subtitled, not dubbed, and so we have... A, a pretty strong relationship to the English language from the beginning. There was a time a few years back when dance and rap and reggae were really black people's music. I mean, it was almost exclusively mm. a black thing. Mm. So how come, you know, like white, nice white, fair, blonde boys with blue eyes from, from Sweden feel they could do this? Yeah, but I mean, I don't uh, attempt to do it the black sort of way. I, I'm an influence. I've listened to black music since I was a kid. And it, of course, has influenced me, but I sort of try to, to, to add my own Scandinavian, or not try to, but I hope I add an own Scandinavian flavor to I do not have the ambition to sound black or be black. I mean, how could I? I mean, I, I try. I like that sort of music, and I put my own flavor on top of that. But you don't rap in Swedish? No. Why not? Because it sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you must have tried then. No, to... I haven't tried, but there are a few bands who try in Sweden. And uh, it doesn't sound horrible, but you, it sounds like a different thing. It sounds like somebody reading... I don't know. No, it's hard to describe it, <laughs> definitely. I think wouldn't we... recommend it. You wouldn't recommend it? I wouldn't it. recommend it. Oh, that's a shame. I thought we might get you to do something. Oh, no, 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 no. You have to pay a lot of money for that. I've been to London a lot, and I would say that, that my musical influences stem very much from, from, from the UK. I mean, ever since the punk scene over to the ska scene, and you know, a bit of everything, everything from Pink Floyd to the, the, the Brit soul scene, the, the Talking Loud and Acid Jazz. I mean, it's always been very much focused for my interest. Do you think that sort of European rap music, which is doing very well at the moment, or European dance music, can never really cross over. Will people in clubs in, in New York be dancing to, to Swedish records and, and French records and German records? I mean, Ace of Base is number two in, in the States now, so obviously something has happened, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Why unfortunately? Well, I'm not a big fan of Ace of Base. Are you? No. Well, a bit. <laughs> quietly, very quietly. Oh, quietly, okay. <laughs> no, but I, uh, to me, a lot of American music has always been very influenced by European music. Is yours alive music as well? I mean, obviously a lot of dance stuff is strictly studio. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you get out there and perform it? Yeah, we perform a full live 
thing. What, a big band? Or? Yeah, we're nine people. Ten people originally, but right now we're nine. Will it be coming to England at all? Yeah, think? definitely. We're uh, we're going to release the album in, um, in in the end of January, mid-January, and then we're going to go over and hopefully do some, you know, showcases, some gigs. So, next album, how long away will that be, do you think? Uh, I've already started sort of thinking of it, you know, try to do the things right which went wrong the last time, and maybe... What I hope for is to be a bit more bold. I mean, the first album, you, you're a bit careful in what you really dare to do. I don't know why, but I mean, you're putting it down on tape. No, I don't dare to do that. So you, but uh, so I started thinking about it, and hopefully we'll start to work with it in springtime. Well, I hope it's as good as the last one. Better, definitely. Great. Thank you very, very much. Thank you very much. This guy Bob hasn't worked for a year. Every day, every night, he smokes out as clear. Makes him see things clear, and the hours go fast. He says, I wish they do his front, so the high would last. They're throwing out Rashid, cause they say he couldn't stay. He ain't got a job, he's not paying anyway. They're buying him a ticket and sending him home. But home is here, he says, and it's the only one I know. Cause I'm a happy man. And don't forget, the new album Supermarket is out in a couple of weeks. OK, time now for the Euro News. Brought to you this week by Jude Habib. In Germany this week, plans to ban smoking in public places have caused outrage. And it's not just the smokers who are fuming. The issue has been ignited by a surprise anti-smoking proposal to the German parliament. If passed, there'll be a ban on smoking in public places, on transport, at work and in pubs and restaurants. People who flout the law will face stiff fines. I spoke to Mr Heem of the Federal Cigarette Association, who argues that the proposal isn't needed. I think it's totally useless and it's not needed, it's not necessary. We have, to a certain extent, sufficient legislation on that, especially at the workplace. We have since long time established a rule that if there are problems about smoking and there is a solution to be found with the cooperation of the Works Council, which we have in Germany. Although most of Europe, including Britain and France, restrict smoking in certain places, Mr Heem thinks Germany is a special case and should avoid following suit. The French didn't stick to their legislation, they just ignored it. And I think the Germans, they have some experience from the past that over-legislation is not good to the German national character. And so they better stick to a, their own capacity of solving such problems between each other. In Norway, sexy posters advertising Henny's lingerie have been getting people all hot and bothered. The Swedish company's provocative campaign features curvy playboy centerfold Anna Nicole Smith. It's not just feminists who have taken offence. Government ministers have declared the posters a danger to public health. Liz Shepard, a Henny's press officer, explains why. There are in fact four or five billboards which have been positioned too close to the road and they're consequently distracting drivers. So for the future, those few billboards are going to have to be relocated. Finally to Holland, where sumo wrestling is being used as a new kind of relaxation therapy. 
stressed out Dutch executives are swapping their work clothes for padded foam rubber suits, modelled on the obese Japanese sumos. Participants then leap on their padded opponents. One company is offering a deluxe sumo package, where for 2,000 guilders, about £660, the suits are delivered to officers along with music and knotted sumo wigs. They even send a free referee to ensure fair play. What better way to relieve tension than bashing the boss, eh? And that's it for this week in Europe. That's your birthday present sorted then, Miranda? Uh, thanks, Tom. I think I can think of a few better things to spend my bucks on. Thank you. <laughs> OK, time for another one of these. The Silly History of Europe. And forget Maastricht. In 1871, the French were even more careless, losing Alsace-Lorraine to the Germans. What? I'm being silly. Alsace-Lorraine <laughs> is not a French woman, but an area on the French-German border. Returned to France at the end of World War I. Thank you. You really are full of fascinating Full facts. of fascinating information. Absolutely. More to come, have we? Oh, I hope so. Good. Can't wait. <laughs> right about now, though, it's time to get with my personal number one tune of the night. First brought to my attention by none other than yourself, actually, Dom. Of hmm? course. I guess, absolutely. She is Nana Cherry's half-sister, which admittedly puts her straight into my good books. She's half-Swedish, but she sure as hell isn't half-hearted about her music. Her name, Titio. The tune, back... And four.
Wicked, a bit of sexy soul with a bit of happening hip-hop mix, you can't go wrong, sounds of Titeo. Okay, tea drinking plays a major role in British civilization. Don't ask me why, I think it's absolutely horrible. But is this so on the continent? A certain Euromix presenter who just can't keep away took tea with a panel of European experts. Drinking tea is as British as roast beef in Yorkshire Terrier. But it isn't only us Brits who drink it. In this studio with me, I have Jules Perforation, a professor of tea at the University of Reims. Professor, when did you have your first cuppa? I had my first uh, tea experience when I was about 14 and uh, had a very close friend called uh, Francois. And uh, we just tried the tea and one thing led to another. And before we knew, uh, we were into Earl Grey, you know, and... Uh, stronger things like, uh, you know, uh, Chinese stuff and then the Indian, and it, it was a long, slippery slope. Come on, though, Jules. I mean, there aren't that many people who drink tea in France, are there? You know, a lot of people in France like tea, but they are very afraid to admit it because everybody is saying, oh, you are square, you silly poo-poo, you know, you like tea. Why don't you come and get bevied up, as you say in England, with the boys, you know? But uh, a lot of people like tea, you know, they should come out to be who they are, you know, take their teapots out of the closet. Now, Klaus Lipton, you're the author of the best uh, seller in Germany, Zwei Zuckerbeer. Now, what is the central message that you're trying to get across with this book? Everybody should be who they are, and uh, usually what they are is uh, a tea drinker, you know. And I think uh, everybody has tea in them. Uh, it just has to come out. Moving on to you, Igor Tetlov. Now, in Russia, you drink tea without milk, don't you? Why, why do Russians drink it black? We get it from the black market, so naturally it's black. Get out of it. All right, all right. Look, on a slightly more serious note, it has been suggested during recent research at the University of Reims that black tea can have interesting hormonal effects. Jules, what do you think of that? People often say that uh, it makes you want to love people very much, you know. And uh, I don't think this is true. I mean, for example, if I take some of this tea and uh, it has no effect on me at all, you know, I'm fine. But I tell you what, you're a damn attractive woman. Well, steady, damn boy, damn boy. Now, let's get back to tea. For example, uh, what do French people dunk in their tea? Well, uh, let me tell you, Sue, uh, that you should never, ever dunk anything in your tea. Uh, because it's just crude. It's not pleasant. Nobody wants to see the soggy end of a obnub in your tea, and uh, it's just so common. I just I spit on anyone who dunks in their tea. Right now, I've got to tell you, he's here. I've got to tell you, he's the man who we couldn't leave out of a discussion like this. Mr. T, star of the A-team, all-round man of hot beverages. Tell me, Mr. T, what is your favourite tea? I ain't going on no airplane. Yeah, yeah, but what about the tea? No, man, I don't like tea. As for women. Well, with that, I'm going to say reams again and go for a brew before I turn completely into David Coleman and quite extraordinary. Hey, Miranda. Absolutely extraordinary, mate. Uh, <clears throat> total respect is due, I think, to the ever-schizoid Dan Friedman. Good job Robert is in Colombia, eh? <laughs> Silly history of Europe. 
And you think John Major is confused, but between 1944 and 1958, the French just couldn't make up their minds and change government over 25 times. Yowza, are you serious? That's a lot of time. That's probably more times than uh, you change your underpants, Dom. Um, it is, but uh, that's why I dis- wear disposable ones. <laughs> and on, a more, on a more serious note, well, the last place on earth you'd expect them to be holding raves is Croatia. But our next guest, Kirk Field, journalist and singer with the band URO, intended and performed at Twilight of the Gods, the first ever techno party held in an underground nuclear fallout shelter that used to belong to President Titio in Zagreb. Now, Kirk, most people seem to be trying to get out of Croatia and you were going in to hold a raid. <laughs> Why was that? Well, it was at the time when a lot of bombs were exploding in London and we got the chance to actually go over there and perform and to actually contribute something to the first rave in Croatia and uh, looked at Holloway Road one day and decided it was going to be a hell of a lot safer walking the streets of Zagreb. Right, right. Now, with the war going on, obviously that adds a certain kind of atmosphere to a rave. Did that make the experience more intense, the music faster or harder? I think there's a process of release going on over there uh, uh-huh. amongst the general population and sh- for sure amongst the younger generation who for so long have had to put up with bars closing early, supermarkets without any food and not a lot of fun. And so they decided, right, let's, let's do it here. Rather than go to May Day or to take flights to, to Universe, to actually hold the thing in the backyard, or rather in their own back uh-huh. nuclear fallout shelter, and <laughs> actually do it there. So, yeah, there was a lot of release going on. But is it actually, um, in Zagreb, is that actually in the middle of the war zone? It's not, no, it's actually on the periphery of the war zone, but the week before we actually went there, rockets did explode on the outskirts. That's why wow. they held it underground. That's scary stuff. So where did it take place? Actually in President Tito's uh, nuclear fallout shelter, his personal nuclear fallout shelter, underneath the streets, the cobbled streets wow. of old Zagreb. And the actual venue itself was amazing. It was like an underground tunnel stretching off as far as the eye could see. It's a bit like dancing all night in the, uh, in the northern line. <laughs> I can't imagine that. Except people were smiling. People don't smile on the Northern Line. <laughs> this is very true, because they don't get a train on the Northern Indeed. Line, do they? OK, so was it difficult to organise? I mean, getting the equipment and, and you know, all the lights and the visuals? And the, uh, the equipment was not a problem at all, because they actually got it from Slovenia, and they actually got some stuff from from uh, Austria. Uh, we, we actually sent off our tech specs, and that was two dat, uh, one DART and two... Um, radio mics, that wasn't a problem. What was a problem, from my point of view, was trying to organise the British contingent to go out there and not only play in a war zone, but play for free, because the fees that we got for doing it, we actually gave to um, a, a children's hospital in, to be built on the outskirts of Zagreb. So it wasn't a profit-making event? Uh, no, it wasn't all. No. It was, in fact, it was a charity-making event. OK, so was it really expensive to get into? It was... Uh, there's a big problem there with the old... Um, Inflation. I think inflation is running at something like 400% at the moment out there. So rather than charge their own currency, which is dinars, they actually charge two or I think it was five German marks, which works out about two quid fifty. How, how clued up are the people over there? Had they ever been or seen a rave before? I mean, was it, was it something they went to out of curiosity or did they actually go there to kind of lose it and have a good time? Uh, I think a mixture of both. One of the organisers was DJ Pepsi Mag, who's got his own radio, his, his own TV show, rather, in Croatia uh-huh. on a Saturday night. He's like the Philip Schofield of, of Croatia, if you like. <laughs> the prospect too frightening to be holding around. Yeah, Philip Schofield playing tech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In your dreams. Yeah, yeah. But uh, for a lot of them, I think, for 99% of the people, it was uh, a new experience. Uh-huh. But it had been promoted on Pepsi's, on DJ Pepsi's show, so they were aware of this big multimedia event going right, on. Right. And also, some homegrown stars did I was play. Yeah. say DJs I mean did they all come over from Britain uh, we, we had a DJ called Beamish who plays a lot of stuff on the, the underground circuits played down at Knowledge a few times Don, right, I think you know right. that club uh-huh. um, he plays a lot of squat parties he came over um, 
we had a guy from Vertigo Dance Agency who's like one of the top dancers. He runs stuff on at Pineapple Dance Studios on a Monday night. Oh yeah. And uh, URO featuring Melanie, who's like sang with the best of them. So, so <laughs> what, what, you were saying homegrown talent. So there were some DJs out there with tunes, were there? Oh yeah, very much so. A guy called Ed. Uh, DJs there whose real name is Dinko Bazadonna and he's actually one of the organisers <laughs> Dinko Bazadonna wow what a name yeah. I'd stick with a that a real Euro mix surname isn't it? <laughs> Dinko Bazadonna and so what, what kind of music were they playing I mean you're talking strictly very fast hard oh, yeah well it was we're talking what 170 180 BPM wow uh, that is seriously <laughs> fast I mean machine what, gun if fast. you think of that uh, Tatio tune we were playing what, what was that Roughly that's probably 100. about 90, 90. 90 to 100. We've actually got some of this music to play. Yeah, that's what, right. what, what exactly is oh, this great. we're going to be hearing? Yeah, we've actually got a, a Euromix exclusive tonight. This is, a, this is Naomi from the, the Temptation EP, and this is going to be out uh, on Living Ed Records in early March. And this is the first time it's been heard anyway, because I only picked it from the factory and two this days is, ago. And this is Croatian? This is Croatian techno at its very best. Yeah. All right, let's check it out. And uh, that was a Croatian hardcore rave tune, Kirk. Indeed, that was Naomi. Okay, wicked. So I've seen some photographs that you've shown me of the rave. Now, it did look to me like there weren't any girls there. They were all backstage, Miranda. They're all backstage. <laughs> no, they're, they're actually hobnobbing. Back... I'm sorry. <laughs> I said hobnobbing. You said that. <laughs> uh, there was uh, there was a few girls. There's more girls. There was actually more boys than girls, which was which was. A Why great do you shame. think that is? Do you think it, I mean are, are, are young women girls not allowed out so much um, as in a lot of European countries? That, or... that is a possibility. I, I'm inclined to think it was more due to the fact that partying without any air conditioning in a tunnel 25 feet by 15 Tough feet. Going. With like wall to wall males with their shirts off, isn't exactly every. Sounds like my idea of heaven, darling. I'll take you next time. <laughs> Great. Okay, what about uh, drugs in the rave scene? Is that a bit of a problem? A uh, problem from, from what respect? I mean, there, there, were, uh, there were drugs there at the party, like there's drugs at every party, I think, in every country. Um, I overheard that some ecstasy was brought in from Holland, which some rather enterprising individuals were selling at vast profits. Was alcohol available? Alcohol was available. In fact, one of the brewer, one of the sponsors of the rave was a brewery, oh, right. uh, Zlatogrog beer, which is a goat beer, which is excellent stuff. Right. So there was a lot of alcohol going down. Th- yeah, there was a fair amount of alcohol going down, but more than anything else, people were just there to dance. I think w- whether they were not dancing or not on drugs is, is irrelevant. The fact is, they were there dancing and releasing energies that they couldn't release otherwise exactly it's that opportunity to, yeah. to, to go wild so they're gonna now they've had a taste of raving I mean are they actually gonna be able to continue raving not only are they gonna be able to continue raving but uh, the guys that actually organised it including uh, the aforementioned Mr Bazadonna is actually organised <laughs> once more speak. for luck come on Bazadonna <laughs> he's actually um, 
organising uh, Croatia's first fetish party, including uh, various young ladies dressed in lingerie and leather and rubber, which, mm. uh, <laughs> which is, if that doesn't unite the nations, then nothing will. will <laughs> in fact, even as we keep speak... Keep the peacekeeping uh, troops up here. Yeah, we'll keep more than the peace. Uh, in fact, I know we've been suffering a sex scandal in the last few days, but I actually heard today from a hotline from Croatia that they've actually suffered their own sex scandal because the interior minister got done for Serb crawling. Okay, great. <laughs> Kirk, thank I, I, you for I that very... To <laughs> yes, yes, very vital <laughs> bit of information. Kirk, thanks very much for coming on. If you go back, have a lovely time. Thanks, you're welcome. And, and still with the techno, techno wizards from Frankfurt, Jam Elmar and Mark Spoon, have long been keeping a lot of Europe happy with their accomplished and beautiful trance excursions. Their debut album, Tripomatic Fairy Tales, is virtually upon us. And in the meantime, clubs all, Europe, all over Europe have been more than making do with this. Follow me. generous hearted souls that we are on Euromix we've decided to give you another opportunity to win our fabulous competition for some nifty Euro videos now all you have to do is guess where we are in Europe and the questions are as follows the country has a Disney-esque type fairy